Hey, Ricky and Ryan, how's it going? What's okay. up? Thanks for joining us. We'll start out. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Ricky, because we've had Ryan in before. Would you like to just briefly introduce yourself to the viewers, please? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Ryan and I are good friends, so it's cool to, to be on with uh, Ryan and, and Monica, who's also, uh, I think, going to be joining us. But yeah, I'm the host of the Ripple Effect podcast, and it's a, a solo one-on-one podcast, and I also co-host a show called The Union of the Unwanted with Sam Tripoli, uh, a friend of all of ours, uh, Charlie Robinson, and uh, Midnight Mike from the OBDM show, and that's kind of like a panel show where we bring in different researchers and thinkers and and um all different types of people and we kind of just brainstorm ideas and and we share research and we share opinions and we just bounce things off each other and uh, and really just try to um you know learn from each other so uh those are basically my two shows you can find all those links and much more on the ripple effect podcast.com thank you and the links are in the description box for ryan and ricky viewers if you want to check them out and um, ryan Cheers for coming back. And can you tell the viewers a little bit about you first? Yeah, uh, I'm sure your, your viewers are familiar. I'm always you know, happy to be on your show, Sean. It's always a pleasure. Uh, TheLastAmericanVagabond.com is the, the best place to check out all of our work. All sorts of different people working with our platform. We have our Substack as well. Lots of different places to check it out. But And a, and a you know occasional uh, joiner on the Union of the Unwanted as well. Happy to get into this conversation. It's, it's an interesting one, how this connects to much bigger things. Yeah, and we are live viewers, wherever you're watching this in the world. If you've got any questions for the panel, put them in the chat or comments. We will get them up here. So, Ricky, what do you make then of all of this latest news pertaining to Hunter? Well, I'm curious why they waited so long. Well, I'm not curious. I think we all know the reason why these uh, these issues that they're bringing, they're highlighting are things that have been around for a while. And now they're kind of slowly trying to... Um, get this stuff into the media or out there uh, without putting too much attention all at once on it, and especially during crucial timing with the last election. So um, I think there's definitely a, a lot that's slowly going to come out and keep coming out. I think many of us have, especially when the, the laptop story was making the headline news, a lot of us went deep into, into that topic and I mean, they're they're a a very disturbing family, and this isn't. I know everybody likes to to kind of make every issue a political issue, where it's like, oh, if I'm saying something bad about the Bidens, I must be a Trump supporter. If I say something bad about a Republican, I must be a liberal. You know, and and just kind of. But it's like, let's just stick to the facts and look at the information. And I mean, Joe Biden's a very creepy guy, and I know that's been said over and over again. But I mean, the videos of him with the little kids, anybody who has kids, I mean, you have to think that's kind of disturbing and very, I mean, I, I coach my kids and, and, uh, at, you know, I'm Portuguese, so I'm going to call it football <laughs> and, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and basketball. And one of the things I always tell you is like, uh, when you're coaching, you're getting certificates, it's like, never be alone with a kid, you know, and never do, you know, anything that could be taken out of, um, you know, just looked at, uh, weirdly or, or whatnot. And yet we have a president who has, hours and hours of videos of him doing weird things with kids and nobody thinks anything of it and and then obviously his daughter and her diary and that story and then you know and i i, I found i'm sure many of you guys found i think it was kim.com who actually released a uh, a website that had uh just files from the laptop and there's i mean the, this guy this kid is uh i mean doing drugs he's with what looks like could be underage uh, girls. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff. And to kind of dismiss that and the fact that at the time, Twitter and many other, uh, you know, big tech companies were censoring this story, not because it wasn't real or it wasn't factual, but because they just wanted to affect the election while blaming the other people for, you know, trying to manipulate the election. Uh, it's it's something that we should all be mad about. And we should all be uh, just really disturbed about how much big tech controls the narrative and how much they can influence public opinion. And, you know, I, I think anytime somebody's getting censored or banned like uh, Alex Jones or uh you know, uh, a Tate or whoever, a lot of times people are just like, well, he's not a good guy or I don't like his opinions. And, you know, something that 
we all have said, I'm sure many of times, it's like, well, you know, it's not about the person. It's about the idea of being able to censor people. And if for now you're okay with it because they're censoring somebody you don't like, but eventually they'll be censoring somebody you do like or somebody you do agree with. And uh, and then by then it's going to be too late. So um, it, it's, you know, people have to kind of zoom out and look at the big picture, uh, you know, w- with all this. I think a lot of times uh, people kind of just zoom in and they just re- read a headline and they move on. But there's, you know, w- um, there's a lot of other rabbit holes we can go down. And I'm sure Ryan has done mm-hmm. some really deep research like usual and uh, can highlight some of that. Over to you, Ryan. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's there's two real things that stand on my mind with this conversation. And, and Ricky rightly does the background on on why this is. Well, anybody in a political sphere is going to be interesting to the average person. It's like the, 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 the popular crowd in high school kind of a thing to the average people, the way they view this. But today we can see, in my opinion, two important things in this. And I think one, I, I keep drawing back to the whole Bilderberg talking point post-truth world and everything that we're seeing. I don't even think that these politicians care about a truth whatever that may mean to them it is when a story comes out let's take the laptop it is how does this affect my agenda our party's agenda and it's about saying well let's just assume that it is disinformation because it goes against what we're doing and vice versa on the other side where it will assume that it's real because it suits our interests that's just the static reality i think of politics but it's obvious now that we can see that this laptop information is real and so it comes to the point to where we at today and how it ties to everything and i'm going to the other point that stands out in my mind is it's obvious that this one thing, whether we're talking about the Biden family's connections or the laptop itself or Hunter's involvement is such an, it's clearly connected to a lot of much larger topics. And I think it speaks to the bigger issue that I I'll, I'll, I definitely think the Biden family is especially corrupt and, and Biden himself. But I think it's really no different than any of these families, including Trump's family and the, and the inner workings, the ties they make. That's what politics really is. And I think we all secretly know that. But my thing is about how we can see that this is like, let's take Hunter's today's situation, right, where he doesn't show up for the 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 congressional meeting or the, uh, the wrong word for it. But so he's he basically they're, they're going through the, the process of contempt. His point is, well, they don't want me to be able to speak publicly because it was a private discussion. And so he puts it on them as if they're trying to hide it, whereas I personally see it more as. I don't think any of them want this to be public because when you go through this, you're going to end up showing something that I think makes them all look bad. So now you've got both of them playing the game to make it look like the other one doesn't want this to be public, where both of them are calling the, uh, the, the bluff of the other. That's kind of how I see this. But the real picture is it ties into a thousand different things. And we could get into the you know Burisma or even further back or the money coming from people. I mean, the idea that this ties to the reality of what our government truly does, or rather the reality of our political structure. And it really just depends on the arbitrary ally adversary, where if they do it, it's terrorism and we do it, it's counterterrorism. Like that's the dynamic. And I think that's what this is really beginning to, to poke at. And it's making them all very uncomfortable. When's the last time you saw Hunter Biden get trotted out to make a statement? It's indicative of something that's losing control in my opinion. So David, I, told me something a long time ago he said that the presidents these families these dynasties have no real power you know they're puppets of the invisible hand and they're boosted when they're brought in and then quite often they're hung out to dry or they're sacrificed have we seen that turning point then with the biden's ricky well uh, you know it It's kind of like what Ryan uh, said, like this is kind of just highlighting how politics really works. And it's not exclusive to the Biden family. Um, You know, years ago, I had Jack Abramoff on my show. Uh, I, you know, he was some people might know him from the Casino Jack documentary and movie of the same title. And he went to, you know, he did time. He was one of the most powerful lobbyists in American history. And then when he came out, he wrote a book and kind of talked about the inner workings of it. And uh, I thought it was really important, even though I don't agree with, you know, his actions or, uh, you know, his lifestyle or, or even the business that he was in. But I anytime we can shine a light behind the curtain and show people how this really works, right? Like, I mean, there's speech writers, there's, you know, there's uh, teams of people who are putting together the character that you think you like. And 
even if you like a politician, you know, I try to remind people, I'm like, okay, so, oh, yeah, I like this guy. I'm like, yeah, you, you're supposed to because they've they've done all the surveying. They've done, um, you know, all the brainstorming to figure out how do they get your vote. And nothing about it is real. And, um, you know, with, with Jack Abramoff, you know, similar thing. He, you know, he would talk about how they would give him the uh, give a politician the language. And they're like, this is what you put in the bill. And then they're like, OK, thanks for the money. And we'll put that in the bill. And they don't even read any of it. And, um, you know, the majority of their time is spent just basically trying to get money for the next campaign. So you're ba- to me, it's it's like pro wrestling, you know, and, um, you know, Jesse Ventura, who's also been on the show years ago, you know, he would always compare it to uh, pro wrestling. And it's true. Like when we watch pro wrestling or a soap opera or any series, we can get emotionally involved. And even though we know it's fake, we can still get emotionally involved and root for somebody or root against somebody. And politics are no different. The only difference is that people forget, like at least at the end of the show, you remember like, OK, this was rehearsed or this is, you know, fake to some extent. But with politics, it's like we get emotionally involved and then we start believing in the matrix. We start believing that it's real and um, and, and people have to wake up to that. But that's the thing. And, and Ryan hits on it all the time. We hit on it on the UM Don't Want It all the time. We might differ with philosophies or whatever. But one thing that brings everybody together is we know and agree that it's all theater and none of them care about you. And, you know, exposing uh, Biden for, you know, all the business dealings. And guess what? All these politicians, they all their families are getting hooked up with business deals. All their families are getting money. I mean, it's it's uh, why would you spend millions of dollars to get a job that pays thousands of dollars? Right. Like it doesn't make any financial sense unless there's other reasons. And, and we know it's it's money, it's power, it's greed. And if you do, take it to the David Icke uh, level, it's worse than that. It's it's depopulation. It's, uh, you know, uh, social engineering. It's controlling the masses. And um, but, you know, the good thing about some of these stories is I think there is a great awakening. People are waking up to these conversations. And when we say depopulation, people don't immediately, you know, get scared and think you're crazy. They they are open ears now that when you talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, certain I, I know we're on YouTube. so I don't want to uh, talk about vaccines too much. But if we talk about that topic, people are uh, slightly more open to alternative perspectives on those topics than they were in prior years. So I think hopefully, uh, even though it does seem like the whole world is is crashing and burning, uh, there is a positive light to all this. Yeah, one of the things that woke me up to what you just said was when I was working in the stock market and I was studying the Enron case. And Enron were the biggest contributors to the Bush crime family at that time. And they single-handedly were writing U.S. government energy policy. So it's like they just take complete control over the government uh, legislation by handing over X amount of money. Um, bribery all right so ryan is is it you know is the biden family on the downslide now is that what this is symbolic of yeah well i see i think it's it's interesting it's it's it appears like where we're at now and let's be let's be honest this can rapidly shift with another event i mean anything could turn this around to where somebody else is the focus but i think right now the biden family is under the microscope because it's easy to blame them that's usually how this works it's not one family or one person who's responsible for all the problems that we're dealing with but they love to make it seem that simple be like oh it turns out it was just biden bad apple let's move on you know and let's forget all the things we learned while biden you know that's what i think this is so with what's going on with Gaza and Israel, I think what's interesting is that Biden has, I mean, he's lost a huge amount of support predominantly from his party. And so it's interesting why that's happening, a different conversation. But I think what's, what it shows is that there's an obvious like pile on right now that's coming from even his party, but even from the Republican side about Biden and then the, the Hunter aspect gets pulled into it. So I would say right now it seems like that's the most likely, but Another large event that pulls you back into some other conversation, things could definitely shift. But I, I think the bigger point is is around how easily we're all swayed with these things. Like you make the point about the lobbying aspect or what this really is. I mean, it's all illegal. I mean, all of it. I mean, we've got studies that show that your vote statistic. I mean, what was the Princeton study? It was, the, the phrasing was actually the average voter has a, a near zero 
minuscule, statistically insignificant effect on policy. And that's from a Princeton study about our effect on this. And yet we all go through these cycles acting like we're affecting the outcome. I think they like to pretend that they can hold somebody accountable, whether that ends up being Biden or Trump or somebody, to make us all think that we're actually seeing something change when all they're doing is cementing the same thing they've done since this all started. That's how I see it anyway. But Biden going down would still be a good thing, in my opinion, because he's a corrupt person. Thanks, Ryan. Th thanks for joining us, Monica. Congratulations. Hi. Congratulations on being the first guest that's got more books behind them than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I apologize for being late. I think I had a little miscommunication, um, but I'm very happy to be here. I know I'm actually overwhelmed by the books. I know they look a little douchey, but it's really just, I need them <laughs> and I need to be able to reach them. So I have to have them. I've been collecting them for years. Then this is just my collection of books that are like not safe for public viewing. Like my normie stuff is out in the living room, but then I realized that more people see these than those. <laughs> anyway, but I want to chime in on what Ryan was saying. Before you chime in, can you just tell the viewers a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Monica Perez. I uh, had a radio show, a terrestrial radio show in Atlanta for eight and a half years. It died of COVID. I was kind of an accidental broadcaster. I just, um, I was a, an investment banker and a mom and I like met a radio producer who had never really met an anarcho-capitalist before <laughs> and she loved the libertarian stuff and so did the otherwise conservative viewers on that radio show. And then after that, I uh, once that went away, I, I did a show, The Propaganda Report, for two years with my, more than that probably, with my um, partner, Brad Binkley. And we kind of just did the news every day during lockdown. And we just, that's how we connected with all these people who were living in this like upside down universe where no one, everybody thought they were crazy. And they were like, but, but you're the crazy one. So that was our little safe space. And then... Uh, just for personal reasons, I could not do it every single day. But now I do some deep dives, which is I'll take something and just, you know, like a dog with a bone and figure it out. But I hope that this upcoming year I can kind of bring back the Monica Perez show in its original form and try to look at this stuff from day to day. And that's where, where I'm at. And one of the things I deep dived on was the Biden corruption during the whole Ukraine thing. Good. We'll get to that. So Monica's links are in the description box below this video, viewers. And there's been two questions presented so far, so I'll put them to you. So the first one was, what do you make of the recent indictment, etc., all this stuff in the news about Hunter? And the second one was, is this symbolic of the demise of the Biden family from here? This is a question for me, for everyone. For you, you yeah, okay. both of them. Because Ryan yes. and Ricky have already answered them. Okay. So, and I did not hear that. So I hope I don't repeat anything, but for me, I feel like, uh, this to pursue now, maybe there's been more information than lately, but the real crimes of the Biden family are massive provable and they were known ahead of time. So if you look at, um, like Jim, Jim Biden, the, uh, uncle Joe's brother and Hunter, they were involved. They had a financial, um, uh, investment company that was partnership with the second biggest fraudster of all time. His name is Sanford, Alan Sanford. And the other one is uh, Bernie Madoff. But that guy's in jail for like 110 years, their partner. I, I don't know if you guys talked about this already. I've never heard anybody talk about it. And those guys were partners with him. There's uh, other things like um, this Devin Archer, who was also on the board of Burisma, uh, James Bulger III, Whitey Bulger's nephew, um, Chris Hines, who is John Kerry's stepson, the four of them, plus Hunter Biden, formed the like core of a financial investment group that um, like sitting on a board and making $10,000 a month is nothing compared to what they were doing. And they were obviously like the stuff about China, where they may even be still worth a billion dollars for their investment there, for which they did not even pay. And the big give was Biden's like, okay, I won't, I won't, I won't be on that board anymore. I'm like, yes. Did you divest yourself of that investment? I don't think so. But the stuff with Devin Archer was they, um, and, and Devin Archer ultimately went all the way up to the Supreme court, but he ended up, uh, I think he has to go to jail for defrauding some American Indians out of their, like, uh, 
in retirement or whatever. And um, they used Hunter Biden, their relationship with Biden to promote this. Then I noticed that one of the other guys who went to jail, his name was Sugarman out here in L.A., somebody who was there was an SEC investigation and his gal uh, who kind of knew what was going on, she disappeared without a trace. And they made up some story about her, uh, why she would disappear. But the day after she disappeared, this guy who was a big shot showed up at her doorstep with like cookies. So I don't know if you're nodding because you guys have covered all of this. But what I'm saying is. This, the level of corruption, the dollar value, the number of commas in the Biden stuff, this reminds me of Whitewater, where Whitewater is a big scandal against Clinton. And what they ended up focusing on was sex. I mean, that Ken Starr gave them that. That was a favor. And that's what I think this stuff is. Until it actually exposes what could be the biggest dollar value of corruption in the White House ever, then I think it's a favor. Right, so we've had a question from a viewer. I'll, we're going to go around in a circle. So Ricky, um, Ray J is wondering, Hunter and his sister, are they trying to bring down the father? Who would leave incriminating evidence like that lying around? I think a crackhead would do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't think he's uh, he's always thinking uh, logically. and uh, But, I mean, there are some people who believe that they want Bob biden out and this is you know maybe even the, the democratic party is trying to uh you know let some of this stuff um indirectly force him out and because they don't really want him to run anyways and um you know so uh, the thing about his his daughter you know his daughter there's uh accusations that there were they took showers together i mean there was Maybe there is some trauma there and maybe that, you know, that's not something out of the realm of possibility that there's some trauma there. Maybe their relationship with their father uh, probably isn't that good. Um, and and maybe, you know, they they could sabotage their father. I mean, that's something that I would possibly entertain uh, the idea that, hey, you know what, like maybe I'll, I'm going to sabotage my father because he really is a creep and I know it and I can't publicly come out and say it. Um, but I can maybe indirectly uh, put out that message and uh, and maybe help uh, help him bring him down. I mean, I'm not sure Biden even knows where he is or what's going on uh, right now. So uh, I don't even know if he knows there's headlines about him <laughs> going off. <laughs> so so who, who knows? I mean, how you bring down a guy who can't stand up. Um, but, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, there is a lot of conversations about, you know, October surprise and, and you know, things coming around, you know, in the works or whatnot. So I think the next the next, uh, you know, election cycle might be crazier than the last couple ones. So, so Ryan, do you see some Logan Roy type family dynamics paralleled in the Bidens? I love the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what's funny though is you know, and by the way, just to quickly comment, I think that the, every election always seems to be more crazy than the last, and it's always something, right? Like, but I agree with you; it definitely always seems to be you know trumped, if you will. But, but I think the interesting thing about this is just to directly take that question about the, the, the brother and the, and the, or rather the, the son and the daughter trying to bring him down. If that may be some kind of power play. I mean, obviously that's possible. Like just to take it, it you know, we're all hype, all hypothesizing here. It, I think that's unlikely. If I had to look at what we're seeing right now, it seems more likely that this is some kind of coercion. And that could be as simple as some kind of internal political dynamic. The question would be like, why would the daughter and the son do that? But, you know, we don't know. Maybe they're maybe they hate him. And it's all we're all presented with some fake. That's how most of these political families work. But I lean more if I'm hypothesizing what makes most sense towards some kind of outside influence. And quite frankly, I would argue right now what makes the most sense. I know the right wing is very like CCP Joe. I don't I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't really see why that makes as much sense as, let's say, Israel trying to exert pressure against the Biden family to get some kind of a certain outcome. And that would make sense to me before October 7th. So I, I think we, we tend to omit the very prominent, very surreptitious and insidious Zionist Israeli influence over our political spectrum when we have these conversations. It's always, could it be Russia or China or Iran? Yeah, could be any of those. But I think the mo what makes the most sense would be that kind of an element. But why I think is less important than what the outcome might be and what they're trying to accomplish. Right. But I think that that's definitely a possibility that this could be some kind of a maneuver. Like I hear in the right wing side of this, like the argument would be to remove Biden to get 
Kamala to be president to achieve some kind of a woke first woman president thing. But those things don't really ring true to me. I don't think any of these people believe in the things they make us believe in, whether it's like woke politics or I think it's all power plays. But I don't know. I, I think it makes most sense to see some kind of an um, intelligence, as Whitney Webb puts it, the, the tri, what, what does she say, by national security state elements trying to manipulate what Biden will do or what they'll allow. And that's bigger than just Biden, in my opinion. Over to Monica then on the family dynamics. Uh, I, I'm always skeptical when people look at, you know, somebody's personality as being a driving factor or their relationships as being a driving factor or um, public opinion as being a driving factor. To me, these things are 100% controlled. And I will say that, you know, not necessarily staged every bit. I think they're very masterful at having the things that they have to control and then they allow the the method to flow out. So I feel like um, they select among, they meaning the people who control the situation. And if you want me to start naming names, I don't know if it's the World Economic Forum or um, I don't think that maybe it is Israel. I never know if it's the city of London or Wall Street or Tel Aviv. Like I just don't know who's at the top of that power system, but I feel like this is all theater. So so who is going to be next? I feel like the way they do it is they put a bunch of people up who are acceptable. So you have in this case, probably DeSantis, Trump, Nikki Haley, Kamala, even Michelle Obama, the, uh, Joe Biden. They're all people who are completely behind the curtain. They really know what's going on. They can be trusted with the secrets. They're not going to go rogue and start telling people, oh, guess what I know? They've been proven. And, and, and the fact that they're still alive proves that. So you, they have to pick from, they meaning the, the people who are in control here, they have to pick from that small group, but they let us kind of, they, they kind of sense the zeitgeist. So they throw it out there. So Ted Cruz was, was an okay. Hillary Clinton would have been okay. Trump would have been okay. And I, and I can tell you what the narratives would have been if any one of those three were to become president. So they let, they, they pick in that way and they will, they'll give you as much as you can bear or they'll take it in the direction that 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 response um, supports. So they're always looking to grow the welfare warfare super state and to centralize the power. So if the if they have to do the warfare state by letting a Republican get in, or I think maybe even those roles are flipping now so that maybe it's the Republicans who are going to be anti-war. I'm not sure. But they I think they just I, I feel like um they throw many are called, you know, fewer chosen. And then among those, they then they get to read our psyche on it. So I don't actually think the interpersonal dynamics make a difference. And except for to the extent it might actually move that zeitgeist. But in the end, you're still getting, you know, leveling up on the welfare warfare super state. So, Ricky, they're brandishing all kinds of headline news here in the UK saying hunters facing 20 plus years in prison. And it brought to mind when Governor Bill Clinton's half-brother Roger got arrested buying the white powder from an undercover cop and he ended up in prison um, only because the undercover cop knew he had to go public with it right away or it would have been covered up. Um, do you think that Hunter will would ever see a day behind bars? Probably not. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't see him doing any time. Uh, it's all it's not you know, you, you guys all know the political system very well. Uh, it's about who, you know, and how much you, what your resources are and and how much money you have to spend. It's it's not about uh, if you did anything right or wrong. And I just don't see uh, him doing any time for any of this. And uh, I mean, if they really cared about taking him down, they would have already because like Monica said, all this stuff is out in the open. I mean, there's tapes you know of of talking about bribery there's i mean there's just so much evidence here and and yet you know it's like you know they're still not you know behind bars I, and uh you know we, i talked about jack abramoff before he did time he was kind of you know there's always like one scapegoat right there's it's just like he wasn't doing anything that anybody else wasn't doing he just we needed they, the system needs to look like it's self-relegating uh, and it's it's gonna lock somebody up to make it look like oh look see we're doing our job we put the uh, away the bad apples and let's move on with the rest of our day and uh, and that's kind of how it works i mean you know it, it's hard 
to to keep up with like everyday news and whatnot and uh there's so much like infighting and people uh do helping each other out and little uh teams little clicks and people scratching each other's back and then you know a lot of times you just have to like zoom out and realize like the whole system's this is the way it works the whole system's corrupt and uh and there's probably no fixing it and and unfortunately the only way you make it in the system is you kind of you know there probably are some good apples in there that realize like hey the only way i get ahead is if i just do what everybody else is doing and um and that's why people like ryan <laughs> would say screw the system and and um and no need for it and you can kind of understand why people have that uh perspective but uh, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss. And, and I think, you know, really getting deep into how screwed the system really is and how corrupt it really is uh, can be kind of depressing. And um, so I think some people kind of stray away from from really looking at it the way it really works. Thanks. Do you concur, Ryan, that Hunter is above the law? Yeah, I think I would lean into what what Monica says. And, you know, if he ends up in prison, it would be because that is the the decision. Right. Like not from a legal perspective. Right. But it's still some level of accountability. But I, I like kind of a nod to your excellent work in the past around like the mob element to all of this. Right. Like the idea that I think this is the dynamic we see today where it's there's there's criminality. We all know that the jokes we make, you know, when a politician's how do you know he's lying? His lips are moving. Right. It's like we all like have these collective jokes where we all know that it's just like lying in politics. They all have criminals. And then we just choose sides. And I think what we're seeing is when somebody gets too loud, says the wrong thing too many times, who exposes that we're all actually corrupt too too many people. Well, then they self-regulate. You know what I mean? And that person and I argue and this gets a little more conspiratorial and dark, I guess. But I think these people are in the know enough to know that there's a lot worse things that can happen to them than simply going to jail and their families. And so there's an argument to be made about how they will allow themselves to be the scapegoat when they know that element exists. So I think that a a Hunter Biden going to jail or a Biden, I first of all, highly unlikely in my opinion, because I think even that makes them look bad in their, their opinion, right? That they allowed that or whatever, should they need to, I think that would happen. But I agree with both of them. I don't, I think this is a, a, we're in a situation where these people are, going to make the decision that best suits their agenda regardless of the law i think that's always how this works anything to add to that monica i'll just believe it when i see it just two things one is i've seen so many people who have been paraded around supposed to head to jail um manafort roger stone um general flynn jeffrey epstein so some of them go, some of them don't go, some of them get out early. I always say, like, I'll believe this is real when that guy does hard time. And I think that there is such a thing as soft time. And I think some some people, I've had times in my life where I'm like, I wish I could just go to jail for something light <laughs> for a little while. I need a rest. I need to read the newspaper, whatever. <laughs> so I feel like there's soft time. And, and if they, but Joe and Hunter have been, very, very bad boys. So if they should, I I wouldn't be surprised if their own side doesn't take them out at one point. So they will take whatever they get. And, uh, but I think the worst would be just soft time. Can I have one more thing to that, Sean? What what she said right there. I think that's so, you you nailed on something I think is the unspoken. I think it's far more likely that something may befall them, like you're Mm -hmm. suggesting, as opposed to, and that could could be used a thousand different ways. Mm -hmm. And if people out there are thinking that's something that's not happening in our world today, they're very unaware of the real, like, I mean, like the idea that like a banking institution could have somebody assassinated, right? Or or a government. Like Shinzo Abe was like, that was... (laughs) You know, what was that even for? Like, that seemed like not even that. So, yeah, definitely. I I agree with you there. You could be doing yoga in Club Fed with Glenn Maxwell right now, Monica. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even sure she's alive. (laughs) Last time we saw a picture of her. All right, viewers, wherever you are watching this in the world, if you've got a question for the panel, put it in the chat. And the first question is from Jake. And I will start with Ricky. Does the general public really know how to run an effective nation? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, the president is just kind of a, a PR guy. You know, people think they blame the president for everything. They give him credit for everything. It's like everything goes through the president when really he's just kind of like pushed in one direction or another. Everybody knows the story of uh, what was it when Obama was running? He got the email that said, hey, this is who your 
consultants are going to be and your cabinet's going to be. And, uh, you know, you just hire those people because, you know, that's what happens. You just hire people that are friends with other people who give you money. And um, and that's the way the system really works. And, uh, you know, we brought up Roger Stone. I've had Roger Stone on my show a few times, too. And, uh, you know, same thing. Like, I know some people aren't fans of Roger Stone, but anytime you can get somebody who's been in the inner workings to kind of let people see, like, this is the way politics really works. It's dirty. Nobody really cares about you as a voter. You know, it's it's like uh, I forget which comedian said it, you know, voting matter. They wouldn't let you do it. And so it's just it's just one of those things where, you know, you just kind of go along with it. You know, we have these, um, you know, I live in a, in a blue state. Uh, like I said, I was, I was originally from Portugal, but we moved to Massachusetts. I mean, if you're a Republican, like does voting really matter? I mean, I'm in a blue state. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. But when election time comes around, they'll, you know, every commercial and every uh, celebrity will tell you, like, get your little sticker that said I voted. And, you know, you feel a part of this rigged system. But that's all it is. It's a rigged system. You know, there's that documentary years ago, um, Hacking Democracy, uh, HBO, uh, uh, um, uh, documentary that showed how easily it was to rig these machines and so when people talk about like oh this election wasn't rigged it's like wait 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 we can talk about how rigged it was or how much they rigged it but to say that it wasn't rigged it'd be the first election in american history that wasn't rigged to some extent there's always been messing around with votes since the beginning of time so um you know unfortunately i think people uh, like like I said before, like ignorance is bliss. I think to a lot of for a lot of people, uh, they don't want to go down those rabbit holes. You know, somebody brought up uh, Epstein, similar thing, right? Like, how many of us have been talking about uh, child trafficking, pedophilia with the elite, with um, you know the Franklin scandal, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Seville in, in the UK? I mean, so many of these stories, and people will just. I, I think they resist the idea that it could be happening much more often and and uh much more wide of a problem than they think because it's kind of a scary thought to uh to kind of consume i think that the idea that like hey you know the the majority of people are good and there's good politicians out there who just want to do good and uh, you know this and that um i think that's much easier to kind of uh, uh, consume and digest than the idea that like the world's run by pedophiles <laughs> and and that you know you see it in Hollywood and you see it in politics and you see uh, you see it everywhere and and uh, so I, I think you know the majority of people um, I, I I think want to believe that the system works and that their vote matters but unfortunately you know they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure Ryan's got an alternative to the death cult. Well, first to your to your the question in general, I have a much more positive look on this, and I, I quite frankly think that people do understand. Like, I think the reason that their that their system doesn't work is because that's the way it's meant to work. I I, I genuinely believe that we're they built a system that is corrupted and manipulated. Like it is right now, I think that people, or even throughout history, left to their own devices, will you know, they'll, they'll segregate themselves as history always seems to happen. They find their clans. That doesn't mean by religion or ethnicity necessarily. It just means that people do that and, and they find their own ways of existing. You know, I personally believe very strongly in an anarchistic mindset. Of course, people out there don't understand what that means. It's one of the most manipulated concepts in ideologies that I think exists. Of course, big surprise. The only ideology that has no place for rulers is the one we're supposed to call chaos, even though anarchy, anarchism is it basically means no rulers, not no rules. They conflate chaos with anarchism, anarchy all the time. And I think that there's a a path forward through that. But we've been conditioned so aggressively to believe that we need this government invisible hand. You know, like the the classic joke that Corbett and I have made fun of forever is like, you know, who's going to build the roads? Like, you will. The same people that build them now. We don't need a hand going, build it there, build it here. The point is that they that if suddenly this concept of government ex- disappeared, there would be some, some problems, obviously. But the point is that we are still the same people that do this, the same construction workers, the same, you know, and this is the problem is we don't understand what we're really talking about when it comes to the way a system should work. We have just lived through this for so long. I, I, I think of that classic cartoon, you know, that shows the, the, uh, it was the two Aztecs, I believe, with the guy getting his heart pulled out and the two were down the going, well, like, yeah, it is not a perfect system, but it's the only one we got. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> the kind of mindset that we all have right now. It's like, come on, we can do better, you know? So I do believe that individuals are smarter, more compassionate, 
more intelligent, more, more, have more, you know, ability to change things than we give them credit for. And I think that's what we're supposed to think. But I do agree with Ricky that we're in a very bad way more than ever, in my opinion, of people that are uninformed, that don't have the answers, that can't boil water without a one, two, three step manual, you know, but we can get past that. People need to learn how to be self-reliant again. You know, that, that, that's what I would argue, but I have, I have a lot of belief in that people are smarter than we give them credit for. Thank you. What's your preferred um, people in power other than the Clinton, Bush, Biden crime families that we've seen for so long? Uh, for me, I, you know, I go back and forth. I was like totally um, anarcho-capitalistic. And I want in answer to the original question, like I do not think an empire can be run by committee. I do not think so. But we really aren't supposed to be an empire. So I would like to restore the constitution. That's a compromise I can live with. I mean, I do, yeah, I, I absolutely do think that we can be self-ordering who will build the roads, housing developers, housing developers build the roads, the mall developer builds the road that connects the house to the store. That is, it does happen, but I would accept, I'm just over the years, once Trump was elected, I realized that the people who were screaming to restore the Constitution under Obama were not screaming to restore it under Trump. So I felt like the commitment just was lost intentionally. I think they hijacked the Ron Paul zeitgeist for Trump, which hollowed out the principle, but kept that, you know, combative atmosphere. And it just I think that was like the end of our commitment to our Constitution. But I think it did set up a federalist system that if you if you restore just the 10th amendment which allows the states to basically control everything you have a system that could work and i will say i live in california i agree with ricky like my vote absolutely does not count anyone i would ever want from judges to sheriffs everything gets completely routed every time but i used to live in texas and it wasn't like that and i could go to texas except for all the people from la went to texas and i don't know how that's going to work out but but there are these subcultures that emerge because the, the United States is like 350 million people like you. Each state can be a little Petri dish. And I will say over 100 years ago, when my grandparents, great grandparents emigrated here, they came to like what Ryan was saying, uh, embrace a culture. And it didn't really have to do with race or ethnicity. I had Syrian, Irish, German. They all came because they wanted the culture that was here and there was no safety net. There was very little immigration policy. But my Syrian great grandfather went back. This was not for him. His wife died in childbirth. He left my grandmother as an orphan in an orphanage. But he went back because it wasn't for him. So it was a culture that was absolutely voluntary chosen and it did work for those people. And now I feel like we're just an empire and and the whole thing is a manipulation to get us to um but the last thing I will say is they always have to pay lip service to the fundamental principle of self-defense, because that's the only thing that we really legally have empowered our government to do is to protect us. So that's why they say, uh, well, if you don't let Israel um, take, clean up the Middle East, they're all going to come here and be terrorists. I'm like, well, what we're doing in the Middle East creates, you know, spreads terrorists like wildfire. But uh, but they always pay lip service to that. And that's actually my hope is that we have not really lost our principles. But I agree with these guys. Like, I don't think our people are really uh, proving that they're worthy of the responsibility that they really still have for the whole world. We're an example for the world. Can, can I just add to that? I don't think it's and I, I don't like to put the fault on the average person, because I think especially, you know, I live in the East Coast. We live, you know, you go back to Europe and, um, you know, like I said before, Portugal, they live a very uh, much more relaxed lifestyle in the East Coast. Like you don't have time to keep up with the news or get informed. You're like just trying to find time to take your kids to practice, uh, grab di uh, groceries. You're you're cutting the grass You're doing this. You're like we live these fast paced lives. And then you just get overwhelmed with conflicting news headlines and stories and whatever. And it's just like during the, the COVID era, like people just kind of shrug their shoulders like, I don't know what to believe so i'm just going to do what the tv tells me you know and so kind of the world people live in i mean unfortunately you know even if you do want to uh do some research and get informed there's so much you know government propaganda uh propaganda from both sides alternative media propaganda there's you know there's people who you know have uh hidden agendas too in the alternative media uh, community you know they say they're right down the line but and then you you look into their work and you're like okay you you obviously aren't right down the line you know and um so it's that that 
happens all the time. So I think, you know, sometimes uh, I do say like the average person isn't well informed or, uh, you know, or these type of things, but it's not the fault of their own. You know, they're they're being manipulated. They have, you know, it's di- it's no different than what I tell parents when they're like, oh, my kid can't get off uh, for, you know, stop playing Fortnite or can't get off their tablet or their phone. I'm like, it's not only their fault. I'm like, maybe they should have some discipline to put it down. But big tech and all those programmers and all those software uh, makers are literally creating things to keep you addicted to and keep you mindless and mindless entertainment. You hear these stories about TikTok, right? Like TikTok in America um, is showing a bunch of just pointless women, girls dancing and just silly things. And then in China, it's a bunch of like engineering videos and and like really like molding the future of the country. And they're like helping dumb down the average American. So, you know, it, it, it is true. I think that many people are uninformed, but it's not the fault of their own. Big tech is dangerous. Dr. Uh, what is the name? Uh, Jeffrey Epstein. He's been on, on my show. I think uh, maybe even Monica. Or- is that really his name? Yeah. yeah, right. That's it, okay. He's not been on my show, but I'm definitely no, going to get yeah. him on my oh, show. He, he, <laughs> yeah, well, I, not not the best name. <laughs> it's like Dr. Andy Kaufman. It's like, uh. yeah. <laughs> like, really monster. Okay, get it right. <laughs> Sorry. He did research on, on, and he's been on the Rogan podcast too. And he's done uh, re, one of the best uh, podcasts that Rogan did. And, and that's why I, I had to get him on my show because I'm like, everybody kind of just brushed over this. But he went deep into researching exactly how big tech is socially engineering everybody and and everything and how much power Google has and uh, and really exposing that. And it's so it's like, yeah, like there's a reason why people sometimes, you, you know, you see somebody who has like a completely uh, just wacky point of view and then you're like you know it's not their fault like every their news feed on twitter and their you know the, the tv and everybody's feeding them this information they think they're right you know it's like they're not seeing the alternative uh perspective and and that's the thing about you know rumble and rockfin and all these alternative uh perspectives and that's why it's awesome that people like sean are still on youtube because many of us did not survive uh youtube and uh but the fact that hopefully a normie you know for lack of a better term runs into his show and he shares you know some interesting opinions and perspectives and conversations and hopefully opens that door for them to kind of be open to uh, new information and a new way of, of, of looking at things well i was terminated twice for talking about jeffrey e so i definitely won't be getting your jeffrey on um but i, I was resurrected anyway in the last few days one of the most viral things on the internet has been a conversation featuring two men, Alex Jones and Elon Musk. And I'll start with Ryan and we'll go around. Um, Listening to it, Elon Musk did go up in my estimation. I've had some deep dive conversations with Charlie Robinson about Elon, um, getting getting both sides weighed up. Um, But Ryan, what were your main takeaways from that conversation? Well, to be quite honest, I didn't listen to it. So I'm not sure I could give insight on what they actually said, but I can give you my general opinion on on what this all feels like to me. And I, I, I find it really hard to understand why people are basically leaning into like whether it's Tucker on X or, you know, all these different dynamics. Like, let me say this first, actually. It's a good thing that he was brought back on Twitter. Nobody should be censored. I think that's obviously the reality, other than, you know, the obvious things when we're talking about, like, committing murder. Like, you know, well, let's just put it this way. Outside of my opinions on free speech, Twitter has terms of service. Whether we think that aligns with free speech or not, what Alex does, the, the conversation of Alex, he, he should have been let back on a long time ago based on what he did. He even did a poll back then that they voted for yes and that didn't change until he did another poll so it all doesn't feel very honest to me to be quite frank about it i don't see why people are leaning into this overlapping dynamic when the two people we got an alex jones we got a tucker carlson and i who uh, there's another person they're throwing into this conversation but the tapes really sorry andrew the tape brothers hey thank you thank you and well so the point is that these are people that have been at least presenting themselves as fighting the great reset, like all these different discussions. And yet now you're not only from Tucker's perspective, like hitching your entire business model to Twitter and or X or whatever, you're lining it up with somebody who is a technocrat, billionaire, transhumanist, like who is aligned more than anybody I can point to right now with every single part of what we're discussing and claiming we're fighting. Every single one of them from the digital IDs to the, the WeChat kind of like central 
all you know universal app to all these different things that whether or or the uh, brain machine interface the engagement with any number of things i can go off forever i don't understand why these people can't see that that's a compromised position at the very least so i think my takeaway is that this feels very contrived i think what's happening on twitter is they the reimagining just like every other part of the great reset of what they say journalism is so you're funneling everybody in through this mechanism twitter spaces and so on and twitter files was the first step i think we i think we actually even talked about this on your show sean about the idea of how this was redefining what journalism was into a new realm of screenshots not source material, but screenshots posed as if we had source material, but because Elon said, trust us, or Matt Taibbi, or anybody else. Let's not forget, we never got the source material. We never got anything to verify. We didn't even get the Fauci files. I just think it's really concerning that we're now seeing this kind of pile on. And I would almost go as far as to say, in my opinion, Alex Jones was, they waited on purpose to affect this kind of moment. But call me a conspiracy theorist, plenty do. <laughs> Monica, did you listen to the conversation? I didn't, but I was following the story about Elon bringing him back and what he was saying about it. So I, I would like to comment because uh, if Ryan's a conspiracy theorist, I'm like three basements down in the rabbit hole. Like <laughs> I, I've invented terms for each of these guys. Like I would call Elon a quote created person. Like they take people from very young, they put them in these roles. He, like Trump, got all of his money one way or another through the government. Um, they act like they're super businessmen, entrepreneurs and stuff. But I, I would, my guess is that Elon's um, net worth is like one-to-one -one correlated with how many subsidies have gone into Tesla and his being in the ground floor of some, you know, explosive government promoted tech companies. He He's responsible for things like Neuralink and SpaceX and, you know, electric vehicles taking over their all big agenda items, big agenda items. So I feel like they give him this cult of personality. It has to have, you know, heroism. It has to have for the people. He literally wrote in his tweet, restoring Alex Jones, Vox Populi, Vox Dei or whatever, like the voice of the people is the voice of God. And then he answered like the people have spoken and so shall it be. I mean, he's obviously performing here. And, and, but I would also say, with Alex Jones is that he, uh, I, I invented a word for him, a, a taint agent, which is kind of funny and a little vulgar. I don't know if you have that, but <laughs> it's, so he's a taint agent in that he, like he was, there was a big controversy about, uh, there was a gun debate here. I believe it was one of these mass shooting school shootings. And um, Larry Pratt, who is the head of the gun owners of America went on Pierce Morgan. Is that his name? And yes. yeah, and and made some unbelievably great points and really made Piers Morgan look stupid. So right after that, Piers Morgan had Alex Jones on and I think he might have been jumping up and down on the chair. Guns are good. Guns are good. It was like, <laughs> uh, does anyone really think this is the spokesman for the side that doesn't want like more power or thinks there's something <laughs> going on behind the scenes? So those two guys getting together, I do think it's a show. But Elon did say he wanted to make X the new global public square, which I believe those are the words he said, it is meaningless if it's unless there's a world government to actually have a global public square. And it's not a public square if you can shadow ban people, which is much more powerful. I am just shouting into the wind on Twitter. However, I am depositing all of my deepest thoughts and um, mm -hmm. theories into his repository of data. So that works. <laughs> so I just the whole thing to me seems I agree with Ryan, uh, you know, a, a show. Yeah, I thought AJ's head was going to explode when he was on the Piers Morgan show. Ricky, did you uh, listen to the conversation by any chance? I, I did, actually. And, uh, yeah, it, it's to, to me, it's uh, it's one of those things where Musk, there he doesn't make a whole lot of sense because at certain points he says things that you would agree with. And then, you know, he talks about uh, the dangers of AI. And then, like, later in the conversation, he's talking <laughs> about his new startup that is working into creating AI. And I'm just like, I'm so confused. Like, are you, do you see the dangers? Are you, are you the danger? <laughs> you know, so it's just one of those things where it's very confusing. And then there's also, uh, you have to be a little bit, I mean, I like the fact that Alex got back on uh, Twitter. 
I think that he should have never been banned in the first place. Um, I think that the the Sandy Hook thing was completely just, I mean, people knew him for that one topic. I'm like, you do realize he was at Waco, right? I mean, this guy's been around for a long time. He He's exposed a lot of stories. Uh, is he wrong? Um, uh, you know, some uh, often, yes, but he's also right often too. And, uh, you know, and, and when you're on the air that long every day, you're going to probably say some crazy stuff. And he is also a little bit crazy, but that's also why people enjoy him. He was, he was a way of getting, um, some information in a entertaining way. Now, of course, there's going to be people, especially in the alternative media community that say, Hey, his family's, um, tied to, uh, CIA, uh, Tucker's family's tied to CIA. Uh, well, I'm tied to FBI because I have two cousins that I never talked to that live in Connecticut that retired from the FBI. Somebody could just say that, too. And then all of a sudden, every piece of work I've ever done looks like, hey, it's just a psyop. Hey, look, he has cousins that are retired from the uh, from the agency. Um, I would see them in once in a great while at a family get together. Would I grill them? Yes. Would I get any information? Very little to none. You know, they wouldn't talk. They wouldn't say anything. And um, but so my point is, like, sometimes we have to kind of uh, pump the brakes a little bit on how quickly we connect dots. You know, it's like, you know what? Put it connect some dots. And that's that's good. We all do that. And sometimes those dots do end up connecting to other dots and you can start seeing an image uh, being created. But don't connect a dot that you know, doesn't really mean anything yet. And then assume it tells the whole story. But there is a, a danger of people thinking like a rumble or a Twitter is the spot to go for free speech. And then next thing you know, they're controlling that um, to I, I think you know, we talk about picking the, the least of two evils when people are, are voting. I think uh, we, we do the same thing with big tech, right? We pick the least of the evils. You know, it's like Twitter's not perfect. Rumble's not perfect, but it's much better than the alternatives. So, you know, uh, I think you kind of just have to kind of wait and see what happens. But I, I think censoring, you know, Andrew Tate because of what he has to say, I think censoring anybody, um, you know, uh, Dugan, right, from uh, from the philosopher from, from Russia, uh, I, I think a lot of times just makes their makes them even sexier, their ideas even sexier, because now it's like they're, they're the forbidden fruit. Like, why can't I hear this guy's opinion? Let me look into him. Let me, you know, so it's like, you know what, put their opinions, put their ideas out there and then let people decide for themselves instead of somebody else curating and deciding for you what truth is or what opinions you can or and cannot hear. Yeah, it's like when Top of the Pops banned uh, the Sex Pistols for saying things about Jimmy Savile, and they became the most popular act in the country. All right, so we've got a minute left each for this final question. I've not seen this movie, so I've got nothing to say about it. Um, what's your thoughts on the new film by Obama? And I do believe it's called Leave the World Behind. So, Ryan, any thoughts? Yeah, just to be clear, it was produced by them. But I, I have no okay. doubt they have complete influence over the show. But just to be you know accurate about it, but I, it's predictive programming. That's absolutely what it is. It's about it's a cyber attack discussion about psychological operations, both physical and and I guess digital, but as well as like audio and all these different things. It's where it's it's an interesting movie. I think it's about setting up our fears for what will happen in the argument that we need to get ahead of that, which will roll in all the things we know are about to happen. You know, with digital IDs and control in that way. That's where I see that going. Monica? Netflix is just absolutely the top of the heap when it comes to predictive programming, propaganda. I mean, Edward Bernays' nephew is not the founder of that, I believe. And um, the only thing that I don't know much about that movie, except for that it is supposedly an end of the world cyber attack thing. But it made when I saw it, I made me think of when Obama was in office, he said that he had planted a poison pill in something they sent to Russia. And if there was ever a cyber attack, it would go off in Russia. So I don't know what's going. I don't know what the movie says, but I'm not I don't want to see cyber attack and Obama in the same sentence. <laughs> Ricky. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch the movie yet. I I saw Patrick Bet David talk about it and uh he said it was super depressing and 
uh, kind of scary. And, you know, just the fact that why would the Obamas be involved with producing? I mean, this is this their first piece of work? Like, that's the type of movie they come out with. Like, why are they involved in this? Um, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, great researchers like Jay Dyer and others who have done, um, you know, endless amounts of research on Hollywood and the CIA and just how much influence they have on the information they put out there. So, but I, I'm kind of, you know, like Ryan said, uh, it, maybe it's predictive programming more, more, more than likely. And uh, I'm just curious on why they're planting this seed. Uh, if, if maybe it, there's going to be a cyber attack. We've been talking a lot about that. Uh, so who knows? I mean, it's nothing good is going to come out of it. Uh, so uh, it, it's kind of a, a little scary because it's making you think like, okay, maybe they are preparing us for something. One more point, John. Yes, just please. Quick, just the fact that what Ricky said there, let's not forget that should the Obamas had wanted this to be through some subsidiary or shell company, they could have. They wanted us to know that they were involved with this. So think about what that means and why, how they want us to see through that lens. I think that's important. And did you say right. oh, or Michael Obama? I'm kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> Don't All right. Don't huge, <laughs> huge, huge thank you for coming on, everybody. Um, all of the panels links are in the description box below this video on youtube please support their important work like they said earlier on many of them been, have been suppressed and silenced over the years on these platforms so it's particularly important you know that we get behind them it is you know it's it's such a challenge to navigate the algorithmic strangulation and go up against big tech so we salute your work, Ricky, Ryan, Monica. Thank you, and we hope to see you in the near future. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. All right, we're going to bring in our next guests. Uh